Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by a thriving adoptee, uh, Michelle Friedman. Michelle, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me. I've long loved your podcast. It's really nice to now get to talk with you. Fantastic. So Michelle is, is an adoptee. She's a, a, an author and we're going to get uh, onto that at the uh, at, towards the end of the our conversation. Um, but what I wanted to start by asking you, um, Michelle, is a little bit about your search for your for your for your birth father. If you could share a little bit about that. Oh, certainly. Um, I mean, my search um, came in, I guess, in in waves. Um, I was born in the United States, although my birth mom is in England and has been for a long, long time. But she went to university here. Um, and in the United States, where I was relinquished at the time, um, the records were sealed and your original birth certificate with your biological parents' names on it was um, sealed away. Um, and when I was an adult, that was true in every, every one of the 50 states except for two. Today, that's... Um, no longer true in the majority of the United States. 31 states have some mechanism, some imperfect, um, for adoptees like us to be able to find out more about our past. Um, so for me, um, gosh, it started when I got a call from London. Um, you guys came out of what we call the fog a couple decades before any of the states in the United States did. So I guess in, what is it, the mid-1970s? Um, yes. Yeah, well, forget the, the legal piece of it. The, the, I guess the emotional piece of it was, oh, we can talk about this now. And we, that wasn't happening in the 1970s in the United States. But because England was more open and welcoming family members back, it um, kind of gave my birth mom some courage and um, she got in touch with me. And um, that was wonderful, but complicated. I was uh, pregnant at the time, so I wasn't about to travel. And then I had very small children. And then she proceeded to not come visit for three years and cancel visits. And that was, that was a surprise. Um, you know, she had been in a natural mother's support group in London for a long time. And I just thought, oh, well, she's going to be on the next flight over. And that didn't happen. So in those three years, I just started devouring every adoption memoir I could find. And, and what I started also finding is that in fiction, there's a lot of adoptees, right? Both um, Rome and Jerusalem were founded by adoptees. You have Romulus and Remus for Rome and you have Moses, the adoptee for Jerusalem and both civilizations, at least at least mythologically, if not historically, were founded by adoptees. And I, I found, and you find that in children's literature, which you probably know better than I do, over and over and over. And um, that was an intriguing thing, but it wasn't particularly empowering. And I was getting very frustrated when my birth mother would cancel visits. And, um, she did give me my birth father's name. And um, eventually I was able to find him. Um, I, I actually hired a detective who was able to locate him and told him I would be calling. And, um, and it was a, a few, the anniversaries a few weeks ago because um, I spoke to him on a Sunday on the telephone and um, we made plans to meet that Wednesday. It was Ash Wednesday. So in adoption, and I guess in, in a lot of life, we talk about the impact of anniversaries. Every anniversary in New Jersey is very Catholic. You see every anniversary of my one meeting with my birth father, I see people walking around with crosses on their forehead and, and all those emotions come back. Um, and, you know, this year I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to meet a writing deadline. So I was being antisocial and staying at my computer and I was feeling really down and it was almost like a, a physical undertow sucking me down. And it's like, everything's fine in life. Why? What's going on? And my husband said, oh, it's Ash Wednesday. Remember? 
<laughs> so I was, ah, okay. And that made it easier, of course, because it was not a beautiful reunion. We met once. My birth father was extremely tense. Um, and later he basically ended the relationship. And, um, and I didn't push. I wasn't very aggressive in trying to kind of elbow my way into his family life. And so I kind of put it on the back burner for years and years. And um, just recently I've picked up trying to get to know my paternal relatives more um, because my children got me a Christmas present of ancestry DNA. And I wasn't expecting anything. A few years earlier, my husband had gotten us his and hers 23andMe, and they're all fine, and I found one cousin on 23andMe that wasn't on the other, so this is not an advertisement for one test over another, I promise. But um, the crazy thing for me was uh, right before COVID, I, I, I put off taking the test because they were, it was so disappointing, and then I finally did, and right before we started having lockdown here in the United States, I get my results, and there's a picture of a, a woman and the very first sentence in her profile is, I'm adopted. And um, I don't understand, I didn't understand genealogy and I reached out through social media and um, an American who's become very active, first through search and reunion for adoptees and then has taken those skills to solve um, cold cases and serial murder cases with law enforcement in the United States was a Facebook friend and uh, her name's Cece Moore and she kind of went through everything and said oh this is a sister because in the results it could be close relative to first cousin she said it's absolutely not a first cousin this is your sister congratulations and I did what a lot of us do which is pick up the phone call strangers because it might be the correct Melissa, her name was Melissa. And um, what I found is what nobody wants to find. Um, I wasn't, I, I think I made like 15 phone calls. I was searching every single social media platform. And finally kind of, I was at wit's end and I did an image search on a search engine. And those are the worst, those are the least reliable. But what came up was a photo that looked like the photo on Ancestry. So if you're having trouble finding the words to connect you with family, I recommend using images. Um, uh, this I wasn't quite ready for. I click on the image that is Melissa and it's a GoFundMe site for her funeral. Yeah. Um, and it turns out her best friend, she'd known since they were four years old, was had, had paid for the was paying for the funeral and and the memorial, and this was also a way for her friend Lisa to let people know that she had passed, um, which was a lot to take in, and um, the and I thought well, it feels so rude. You don't go and network at a funeral, right? And, one, and I'm sure the etiquette is not that you go and network at a GoFundMe site for a funeral. But I was, um, I don't know, Simon, it was just, it was not like me, but I thought I've tried so hard. I've waited so long. I waited too long because she had taken her DNA test way back in 2016 when I had written them off. And I wish I hadn't done that. Um, so I actually said, um, you know, I, I, I was trying to be discreet, but I said, um, you know, I, it appears that I'm a relative. Um, I'm an adoptee too. And wonderfully, Lisa got in touch with me and we started a correspondence. And um, also another woman who had been um, uh, Melissa's babysitter, you know, almost a nanny um, got in touch with me also when she saw my, my note on the GoFundMe site and then nothing happened. But then vaccines happened and thank you again to modern science. We all got vaccinated. I flew to Florida um, and we were very cautious. You know, my husband called, we met in a public place in, in case the other person was dangerous and, and whatever because there's something 
still, I don't know about where you are, but there's still the fear of the unknown. So, you know, the ch we're changelings. We're not just people. We're changelings that appear. And are, are we here for money or are we here for some other mysterious dark reason? And, and on the and on for I think that's how some people view us, you know, and, and for us, sometimes it's, wow, we're going back into that dark unknown, you know, this deep mythological cave. And so my husband on schedule called to check and make sure everything was okay. And one of her daughters called to check to make sure everything was okay for her. And we both kind of laughed because it was more than okay. It was wonderful because she got to share her lifelong friend with probably the best audience ever. Like there's no one that could have been more interested in listening to every childhood story she had to share than me. I loved it. And that breakfast lasted six hours. Yes. So that's, that's been interesting. And that was, well, it was back the end of June, beginning of July of 2021. And uh, so, I, I mean, there's so much there, isn't there? Um, mm -hmm. What you know, th this, uh, th this, this, you said at the start that, um, you know, your search came in waves and, and my, my search came in waves as well, you know. Um, so I got, uh, as you say, our, our records here in the UK were opened as in 1975, which uh, I was talking to my mum about this the other day and she was really, she said that she was, um, my mum doesn't get angry about stuff, right? She said that she was angry when that happened because when I was adopted in 1967, they were told that nobody would ever know. And they chose to tell me and they told some people, I guess, I don't know, you know, they told, they told the family, told anybody that, well, I don't um, But they were, they, they felt, my mum felt that that was disempowering for them. But anyway, so that happened in 1975. I got my original birth certificate, I don't know, eight years ago. And that was kind of in, enough for me at that stage. Um, oh, I understand that. It, it was kind of, it, 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 it was a bit, I just remember holding this and it was a crappy piece of paper, right? It was like, you know, it was say original birth certificate, you know, you're thinking a nice card, um, certificate with a crest on it, you know, something crest, that looks should be guilt, have gilt trim around the edges. Yeah, something like that. That's what you're thinking, right? Original birth certificate. It wasn't. It was just like a crappy piece of photocopy paper with a, a, a government, you know, crappy text, and you know, and it, but it had the, the it had the name. It had her name on it, and it had my original name, you know. Um, and I thought, oh, can I ask what was your original name? Uh, David Anthony Flower. Oh, I like that name too. Uh, and um, and I thought, oh, uh, I've had two names. <laughs> and, Isn't that a surprise? But and you didn't know that growing up, I guess, right? No, no. Mm. Um, and 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 then hey, when when people say. We uh, adoptees struggle with identity. I, well, we've had two names. I've had two <laughs> names. Yeah. So I'm I'm not confused by that. Or where I see as a little kind of existential philosophical piece is that if I've had two names, I can't actually be either. You know who who I am. We we, we are not. Our, we've got a name. But that's not who we are. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're not. That's not who we are. The truth never changes, right? You know, the the, the our names are just a label, like the label son or um, son or brother in my case, or you know, dad to dad, furry dad to to two dogs and two pigs. <laughs> yeah. It's just a label. We're not. We're you know we aren't our we aren't our name. Um, but I can see some people get really confused about that. But I, I, I've just been very fortunate. I don't. But um, you, you, so it comes in. It, it comes in waves. 
And one of the things that always comes to me loud and strong when I'm talking to a, a fellow adoptee about search is the persistence. So, you know, like it, it comes in waves, but once we've decided, once, once, if, if it comes in waves, if we're in the boat, if once we've got in the boat, we row like hell and nothing's going to get in our way. Sometimes we get out of the boat and, and, and we step off the wave. Um, and, and, and we step off the wave because for whatever reason, we don't, we don't feel that we need to go. So, as you reflect back on the on, on, on your search and your um, and your uh, persistence and your dead ends and your sorry, that's a really horrible thing to say. Oh, it was a very good pun, actually. Well, it was a, a shockingly <laughs> inept pun, um, uh, completely unintentional. Um, what have you what have you learned about yourself through that through that search um, that might help other adoptees who are, are listening going through that um, oh goodness um, a couple things like I'll call them prizes from the search you know um, almost like a hero going out on a quest. We, come, we do find prizes and they may not be what you thought you were looking for. You may not find the Holy Grail, um, but you'll get a prize. And um, for me, it is um, the wonderful surprise of finding out that I'm related to a lot of writers, um, working writers. And that's something I loved and it didn't match my adoptive family and so it was just nice to be a piece of a, a larger puzzle and fit and, and go oh okay this isn't an odd thing this isn't an odd um avocation or um ability it, it, it makes sense from the pool that i came from and just sort of that sense of oh okay i i see that i'm just one piece of this larger of people that love the written word, for example. Um, gosh, there, there's... Uh, now I'm stepping aside and not answering you directly, but you, you directly, but it's an answer. Um, my son got something from my search that was a prize, and as his mom, I, I love it. Um, my, my sister Melissa, unfortunately, died of what we're now calling COPD, it used to be called emphysema because she was a really bad smoker and um, was a bad way to go. My son heard that and it took him three days of withdrawal from nicotine, but he quit smoking too. So I feel like if there's anything that I could have asked of Melissa as an aunt to my children, it would be something like get my son to stop smoking. So that was certainly not my intent, uh, you know, for search, but that you find these things that happen. Um, it's almost like reality becomes more real. Oh yeah, my writing isn't this weird fluffy thing. It's grounded in abilities that other people in my gene pool have. Or, oh, I'm immortal, I'm a teenager, I can smoke. It's, oh wow, someone who is my aunt died from this, I think I'll stop. You know, so it's a very grounding thing for me. It's, I think, a grounding thing for the next generation, too, to have that connection back through generations. Um, let's see, what have I gotten from it that's been interesting? Um, I, if I hadn't searched, I wouldn't know you, Simon. <laughs> you wouldn't know me. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the booby prize, right? No, no, no. I have had quite a few conversations um, where we get each other in a way that not everybody else does. Um, 
I, there, there's a radio show, for example, there's a radio show called The Moth on National Public Radio in the United States where you tell stories. And um, they got a group of adoptees together. And, we, and you probably understand this. If you get a group of adoptees together and someone says, what's your story? We can tell you our story. Whatever part of the search we're in or not yet in, we can tell you our story. And the producer of the show said, I have never encountered a group that so easily could find a tellable story, a, a, an entertaining story. Yeah. So we've got that. Yeah. Even if it's sad, even if we hit, I'll say it, dead ends, um, we've got a story. Um, and gosh, at one point I was cataloging number of online groups and it was in the hundreds for adoptees and for search and reunion. So we are a tribe and finding this tribe has been a, a prize. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back to the booby prize, right? Because oh, it, no. it, it, it's something that I want to, I, I did it with, a, hopefully you could hear the, over the, the listeners can hear the laugh in my voice, right? And it's self-deprecating. I, I don't yes. really think I'm a booby prize. Thank um, you. I, I, I was, I, 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 you're uh, such good. You're crossing the Atlantic and getting us listening to it. <laughs> the, the, um, uh, the, you know, one of these things that, you know, is supposedly, a, you know, a, a, um, a supposedly a, a thing that is uh, a, 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 that adoptees have is kind of like a low, low self-esteem and insecurity. And, and um, I've done all my learning over the last 15 years about what makes us tick, right, um, with non-adoptees. And they they none of them think they're good enough either right so this is the secret this is the secret this is the secret that nobody's telling nobody thinks that they're good enough so you know if somebody says to me oh well you're you, wait, wait, wait so it's not just you and me it's not just it's not just us two it's it's it seems to be a universal malaise okay um and uh and, and we all uh, we've all got a different reason uh, and we've got um a compelling logic that uh, that we could argue in court um, and win uh, 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 the, for the reason that we're not good enough. So for some, it may be because they're adopted. For some, it may be because they haven't achieved what they wanted to achieve career-wise. For some, it may be because they failed to stop their son dying of lung cancer. Uh, for some, it may be because um, they're overweight. For some, it's they haven't fulfilled their childhood dream to, I don't know, win the NBA. Or you know, we've all got a different. We've all got a different reason. We've all got a really compelling truth, a really compelling reason that we're not good enough. And ju but just because it's compelling, it doesn't mean it's true, right? It doesn't mean it's true. And that's why. And and the stories, uh, the stories, you know, like we're all urged to tell stories, right? So to, to share our stories, share our stories. If I'd shared my story 15 years ago, um, sorry, no, if I did, when I shared my my story 15 years ago, it, 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 it you know, with a, a group of people on a on, on a course about you know discovering who you are. It transpired that my story of who I thought I was was a complete and utter work of fiction. An utter work of fiction. The voice in my head that told me that I wasn't good enough is just a liar. Okay. The voice in, you know, the stuff about my birth mother rejecting me and, you know, the teddy bear being a consolation prize was totally untrue. That's what I found out further down my search. And I hit a dead end. I found out that my brother had died of cancer, right? Uh, my birth mother had died of cancer. Um, oh, but I'm, in, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize yeah. that. Um, she, she died be before I started looking, you know, a long time before I started looking, or even thinking about looking. Um, but the story I told myself about her not loving me enough to keep me, oh. that was complete fiction. And this is one of the things that, 
you know, that I really scares me actually is that we're all it, 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 because I've shared the story and, 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 and I've shared it with people who have also shared their stories and they had the same the voice in their head saying that they weren't good enough either. That's why I know all this stuff, right? Um, a group of six, eight of us. And, um, and, 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 and every, every one of us, the, the, story in we, the story that we had about who we were was false. Uh, and and it wasn't it wasn't about our truth. So that's that's my concern about about stories. Now there's there's fiction and there's there's there's, there's fiction and there's the fact. I heard I heard somebody took put this in a, in a in summed it up in a beautiful way. An American uh, fellow he said he said I thought I was watching CNN, but actually I was watching the comedy channel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, um, is there that much difference sometimes? Okay. Have you heard of the uh, the heroes the, the the heroes journey? Have you you come across that in 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 the? Oh, uh, Otto Rank, Joseph Campbell. Joseph yeah. Campbell, you heard about that stuff, yeah? Popularized it, yeah. Yeah, you heard about that. Yeah. Um. So I teach writing workshops. Um, how to write a mini memoir for adoptees when we do flash fiction and we do it by steps so it's easy and it doesn't need to be a novel. It could be the beginning or a, a full book. Um, and that's one of the two ways it's easy to start. Um, they say that most adventures are quests, quests and um, not all. And the quest kind is the hero goes out on the journey or there's the stranger comes to town. For me, the phone call from the UK was like the stranger coming to town and it happened to me and it and my adoptive mother was over visiting her granddaughter by the way at the time so um it happened to both of us at the same time that the hero going on the quest that was when after three years of waiting i decided i wanted to find my american birth father now i was the hero before the the center of the story was the stranger in england that came to town through the phone as it were so how does that process um, help your, uh, the people that you work with, the adoptees that you work with, find their, find their truths, find their truth about who they are, realize their potential, that sort of stuff? How does it help? Oh, I think in, in the most important way, you've already hit the nail on the head. We're not alone. We're not alone. Um, some of the reasons, some, sometimes I think we think that our story is so unique and, and, get, and the negative can get magnified and magnified and magnified. It's because it's happening between our two ears and we're not sharing it. And sometimes when we share it, we can get feedback that, oh, that's not true of you. You're actually a lovely person. Or, oh, you're not the only one who's felt that way. I think that's typical for adoptees. We've all felt that way. It's not your fault, you know, or no, it's, it's, you know, babies were placed for adoption, not because they had terrible personalities or, or they weren't smart enough. They were babies. This is not a personal decision. Um, that was um, something that came from talking to other adoptees. That's not something I, that, that happened between my two ears. I needed to, to go out on that journey, be that hero. And that meant connecting with other adoptees, listening to birth mothers and then meeting my birth father and listening to birth fathers. I'm lucky, I live about an hour west of New York City. And since about 1990, there's been a monthly group um, that meets. Um, and it was for adoptees, uh, adoptive parents and birth parents. And it's kind of faded away. And we've kind of revived it now, Monday nights. We have a group for adoptees from the closed record era and donor conceived people. And they are also busy, like we were, coming up with these stories between, between their ears. Oh, the person donated anonymously because they didn't love me or they, they, they knew I would be a, a loser or a consolation prize or a booby prize. And it's good to be talking now us closed closed record era adoptees. I don't know if that's a, a phrase. Um, 
and what we've gone through and now share it with people who are just beginning that journey who were what we call them DCPs in the United States, donor conceived people. And to hear the same things coming back from brilliant, talented, wonderful, kind, you know, amusing people thinking those same things. Yeah. It's just fascinating. And that's our once a month thing, Monday nights that we do. Yeah. It's, it's, this, uh, the, the cultural stuff never ceases to uh, amaze me, Michelle. Uh, so the part that, you know, you said that we were ahead of you in terms of, as in UK ahead of the US, uh, in, mm. terms of, um, in terms of opening the files, but in terms of uh, willingness to, and you kind of equated that to willingness to talk about it. Um, and, I and I would say that what you guys, and, and I would say North Americans, I'd say kind of Canadians as well as Americans, um, are far more open to talking about this stuff than us stiff, stiff upper lip Brits. All the, all the groups that you have. Really? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. you, you, there's far more groups of you doing it. Um, there's, there's far more appetite to come on the, um, uh, the podcast um, uh, and talk about it because it, 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 we're talking emotional things. Um, so, so it's, it's interesting and, and you're, a, you know, you, you're kind of, obviously you're far more, not obviously, but it's obvious to me, but, uh, you've, the, the people from the US are far more ahead in terms of kind of like a desire for self-help and self-actualization and all that sort of stuff. Your, your history is far richer than ours in the UK about that stuff. Um, oh, that's interesting. Um, Let me throw this out, and I, and I wonder if this is maybe this helps explain this phenomenon that you noticed. Um, the group that um, started in my town in 1990, decades before records opened in any region near us, um, was started by an adoptive mother, two adoptive mothers, one adoptive mother who was in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, a 12-step program, and another adoptive mother whose son's birth mother contacted them, and they got together. And the mother that was familiar with AA and had found sobriety for the, the last several decades of her life took that format. So this group that started in Morristown was really modeled after um, of 12 steps. And, and so some of the language is there too. And 12 Steps is, you know, the Oxford group started in England, in Oxford, I believe. And then it kind of, I guess, reincarnated itself as 12 Steps in the United States. And I think there's like 60,000 groups. You, you can go in, within easy driving distance to a 12 step meeting of some sort or other. And we are just, it's in our culture, it's in our screenplays. And um, so in the US, we don't, we, we say things like being in reunion, that comes from the 12 step lingo of being in recovery, or someone comes out as a birth parent, just as someone comes out as the friend or family of an alcoholic. And so we always we have this funny network. And, and I, based on my experience, I know that we have this multi decades long group that was meeting 30 years before records were opened in New Jersey, where we're located. And it was because we borrowed that format of 12 steps. Yeah. My theory, but it's only one theory. So what, what other um, prizes have you found along the way? Ah, other prizes. Or prizes you found or, or prizes that you've, um, you've seen other adoptees find along their way? Oh my goodness. Um, I, I definitely say um, certain people. I have cousins up in Boston, first cousins through my birth mother that I just like. Um, even if we weren't related, I'd want them in my life. And that's wonderful. Um, our youngest doesn't have many children in my adoptive family the same age, but the Boston relatives have a son the same age. And so they get to grow up together. 
um, just sort of finding more people that you would want in your life anyway is a good thing. Um, there's, I can't, it's hard to explain. So someone who lives along the Mississippi River where I've never been sent me a whole bunch of black and white photographs that she, she digitally through email of our shared ancestors. And I just felt a, a kind of settledness to see that I can, like other people, if I wanted to, talk about my, what my great-great-grandmother was doing or where my grandparents lived. And it's something I didn't really know that I missed. When I look back, I can see that in decisions I made and in actions I took, but I was in such a fog. It's almost, I didn't know um, it was something I was missing until I had it and felt that feeling of, ah, th these photos are mine. These, these are my people. Um, I mean, I was raised not knowing anything about my birth father's background, and that was a decision made by the um, adoption agency for various reasons. And it's amazing to me that I was a journalist who worked in the, the New York City Press Corps, and we're not a very shy bunch of people. We're, you know, we're Fleet Street, you know, very posh and refined, right? Um, <laughs> and yet, no. I didn't think to ask a question because it was, oh, get this, it was inappropriate for me to ask about my birth father. Who said that? I thought it. Between oh, right. them. It was inappropriate for me to want any information about him. Oh, the questions I have no issue or, or hesitation asking, I guess, like you said, us North Americans. But even being a North American, I stopped at that. You know, um, so the, the, the seeing that I was stopping at that and questioning it was a prize. So would you like um, my opinion on the, how, how you come to settle, how you came to settle? I love it, because right now I'd have no words. I, I, have, I, I actually framed a picture and I hung it on the wall and it's too far away for me to run and get and show you. But every time I look at it, I just kind of go, ah. So any theory is welcome. I, I love this feeling. It's the end of the search. So I heard this expressed by um, a really gifted guy who I name check quite a lot, a guy called Rupert Spira. He's a British guy. Okay. And he says, we, we're looking for something and then we get it. And the quest ends and we feel happy and we think the thing that we got led to the happiness so we go after the same thing again do you think that's why um searches happen in waves perhaps that you get a little bit of a, that satisfaction and then you want to go out and get some more Maybe, yeah. Maybe. That makes us sound a little bit like Viking Raiders, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, but we're heroes on a quest. Let's go and. and... But we're, but yeah, we, um, you know, I was, as you were telling about the, the Heroes Quest earlier on, I was thinking of uh, Camelot. Uh, and and you, know, you mentioned Holy Grail, right? So I was thinking of Camelot, but I've never seen that really. I don't I, I don't really get that. I've never read any books or watched any films about that. But I have seen Spamalot, <laughs> Spamalot, which is the Monty Python yeah. West End show, which is a Mickey take of Camelot, which is very funny. Um, okay. And I've not That's seen probably any... shorter. I Sorry? bet it's a lot short. I Sorry. bet it's a lot shorter. I, I don't know. I've, I don't know how long the, the original thing is. I don't know. But um, I, I was also I was think, thinking of Gladiator, right? So there's that's the, the, the movie starts with the, the pretty much starts with the death of his 
of, of, of Maximus's um, wife and kids. And then when he, when he dies at the end, he's reunited with them. So it's sad that he's died, but it, it, it's happy that he's reunited with his, and, and, you know, that's, that's kind of what, what came, came to my mind. But um, one of the questions that, uh, that is always on my mind when I think about search and reunion is the extent to which we as adoptees are, um, the extent or not, right? We are pinning hopes of our happiness on the search being successful and the reunion union being successful and we all live happily ever after. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's Disney, isn't it? It's another story. And that, so we're delaying, we're delaying happiness. We're putting our happiness on hold for something in the future. And um, that concerns me uh, mm. because putting our, anybody putting their happiness on hold for anything concerns me because it stops us being happy in the moment now. And, uh, and it kind of stacks against my my own uh, search was uh, the second wave of the search happened because I was sitting in a therapist room and the idea of my birth mother rejecting me again, I'm going to, rejecting is in air quotes, listeners, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't do air quotes, but I would do that. So rejecting you know, um, that scared scared me to death, and then my something within me, whether whether it's my true self or whether it's my ego, who knows, said, uh, "I am not going to put. I'm not going to let that fear stop me. That fear of rejection stop me." So I'm going to re renew my search. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So I, I came, my search came from a place of uh, spite, anger and empowerment, not not the dream of the happy ending. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it, it, and so I wonder, I, I, I wonder how much, you know, we've got, because uh, I've, I've done a lot of uh, delayed gratification in my business life, right? So I'll be happy when mm -hmm. I, I'll be happy when I hit this business. I'll be happy when da, 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 I'll be happy when. So, but I've, I've learned a lot of stuff and I've been trying to, um, you know, share that with others over the last 10 years. And I saw, I found some peace this morning. This was prompted by an insight I had listening to a podcast this morning. And, and I wrote it down in my little book here as um, the exhaust, the exhaustion of trying to change the world and the peace of being enough. <sighs> I like that. Yes. The exhaustion of trying to change the world and the peace of being enough. I like that a lot. I, I'm uh, not a writer like you, right? I, I, at, at eight, I was told, at eight, I was advised uh, to read more, read more books because my English was poor compared to my maths, right? Oh dear. Uh, and and funny enough, when uh, well, I wish I had your math skills then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, eight years later, um, I passed all my I passed all my exams. We take you know um, public exams at eighteen. Uh, sorry, sixteen and eighteen. Uh, I passed all the little you know C is a pass. Um, a okay. C is a pass. And A is the best that you could get when I got it. And I got like uh, English language and English literature. 
uh, were C's and everything else were, was A's and B's, right? So I'm so this kind of wordsmithing like that, the exhaustion of trying to change the world and the peace of being enough, that, that's not a natural thing like it is for, uh, clearly for you as a, as a writer. Oh, I don't know. You just sparked something that's really interesting. And um, you, uh, you've said very succinctly and wisely something I've had floating around since a conversation I had with someone about search. Um, th there's, there's something to be said for pausing in a search and, and realizing you're getting exhausted and just finding peace with whatever you found so far, whether it's a rejection from my birth father or questions that are still unanswered, but kind of settling and finding peace. And I, um, they talk about, um, and I'm not an academic, there's probably a much trendier um, word or phrase that English departments are using now, but I was reading something about Shakespeare once, and they talked about his pastoral interludes, see I used air quotes, but no one who's listening can tell, um, pastoral interludes. And it was really a well thought out dramatic point in the hero's quest or the hero's story where the, there was just a, a peacefulness. It wasn't the resolution, it wasn't the end of the story, but there was a pastoral time where Moses wasn't dealing with the Hebrews, the Egyptians, the slaves, the pharaohs. He went off to Midian and he becomes a shepherd and he marries and he takes care of sheep and he, you know, helps heal lambs and that's his pastoral interlude. And maybe he needed that before he could take on the exhausting um, job of going back dealing with the Egyptians and the Hebrews and parting the Red Sea and, you know, leading the Exodus and all of this heroic stuff. But there has to be a point where, um, and I hit it, where I needed a pastoral interlude. And I don't know, if maybe that's a bit of what you're also saying, where I was exhausted from trying to engage my birth mother for those three years, finding my birth father who was welcoming and then very rejecting. And after a while, I was like, hmm, I think I'll go work in the garden. That seems like a better use of my time. And I know that I'll get reward from it. And, and I was trying to say that. And uh, someone who is, I don't know, have you heard this term? An adoption competent therapist. Yes, I've heard that phrase. Okay. It was new to me. And, and she was saying, well, if you had an adoption competent therapist, you know, they would have helped you craft a letter to send to your birth father and and I'm thinking oh that just even now looking back and he's passed away so that that window of opportunity is closed I don't regret not having an adoption competent therapist to help me draft the bludgeoning letter to make him do what he might not have done anyway I needed my pastoral interlude to say well how he is I accept that I still have questions. I accept that. I'm going to go work in the garden right now. And and something to be said for having a pastoral interlude, even if we are a hero on a quest. And it doesn't mean we're not persistent. We're allowed to have those pastoral. Yeah. I a, love what you wrote. There's, there's, a, there's a lot in that. Um, uh, I was thinking that the kind of like the rest finds us, right? The peace finds us. So, like, we have an insight, and the, you know, like, you, you, your so your son didn't go on a um, stop smoking course. He didn't. Uh, he, he didn't listen to a. Uh, he didn't. He, he didn't listen to a, an audio book on how to quit smoking. He didn't um, manifest this. He didn't. You know, or do all the stuff that everybody does to change. Right. He just had an insight. Yeah, just he just, he, he, or he integrated this new realization that, oh, people die from this. It's real. Um, you know, someone yeah, that's, die from this. Uh, it, it, the, it, my, uh, the, my word insight is shorthand for your uh, integrated the realization. So it's, it, it's, we're saying the same things. You're just more words, wordsmithing it. <laughs> 
I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, <laughs> don't don't apologize for your skill. You know, um, the and this is the the funny thing, right? It is that um, uh, you know somebody told you you're a writer, and somebody told you to ask a therapist to help you write. Well, who's who's gonna who's got a better chance, right? <laughs> who do you want funny. to write your letter? A therapist or a writer? You know, you know, who do you, who do you want to paint? Who do you want who, who do you want to to to, to paint your your um uh, your, your your bedroom? Do you want a painter to paint your bedroom, or do you want a plumber to do it? Oh, that's so, interesting. So the 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 advice that people give. And I'm, I'm really bad at unsolicited advice because I do it quite a lot and I know that I shouldn't do it. And, and oh, I want to say that I'm not opposed to adoption aware or adoption competent therapists. If you're an adoptee, that's probably way better than an adoption incompetent therapist, right? But but it just, yeah, yeah. it has if, to be forced. If, if, you, if you want, if you're an adoptee and you want some therapy, get an adoption therapy adoption competent therapist if you are a writer then write your own letter if you want a painter then get a painter not a plumber and, and don't tell a writer to get a plumber to write a letter it doesn't it doesn't stack and like everybody's got an opinion and a suggestion and it but it is that is just a bonkers suggestion isn't it it's like me saying Get a plumber to 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 to, to paint my bedroom. Why? I want to I want a painter to paint my bedroom. I want a writer to write my letter. I, I, you know, if I want to if, if I want to learn to write my memoir, right? Adopt adopt adoption memoir. I go to I go to somebody that's done it like you are, and 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 they have they have learned some stuff that can help me along the way. And the the whole purpose of this podcast is to help people along the way. We want to learn from people that are ahead of us on the journey. That's always the case. Yeah, that's, we, we pay for somebody that's been through stuff. And I, I do, I say this a lot. Oh my goodness. So Simon, are you saying that I'm a wise old crone? Uh, I'm saying you're a wise young crone. <laughs> I'm um, a wise old crone that you meet along the mountain way and I will share my wisdom with you and then you can do great. Yeah, well, like kind of Yoda or something, right? Um, yeah, well, I, I, hopefully. I, I watched, I, I watched uh, the first Star Wars in 1978 and I've never watched another one, but I believe that he's quite a wise guy. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, don't listen, be, be careful. Here's my unsolicited suggestion for the listeners, right? Be careful who you take advice from and, and, and make sure that advice stacks up. It, you know, get get the right person for the job. You know. Um, uh, what else I was going to say? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I do say this, I don't know if I said this recently on a podcast, but I, I've said it in other conversations, right? Adoption, it seems to be the only where, it, it seems to be the, one of the only places um, where we take advice from people that are, um, so, are struggling. So somebody like I, I see a lot of uh, I, I believe it's called trauma dumping. I see a lot of trauma dumping by people who who put themselves as forward as um, uh, uh, you know like a, a adoptee uh, adoptee leaders. You know what, what is trauma dumping? Well, That's an interesting expression. I, I'm not trauma sure. dumping is just dumping your trauma. It's just writing about you know it's it so a lot of a lot of stuff goes on in in um uh a lot of stuff goes on on in online you know um my life is is my life is poo um i'm an adoptee my life is poo um for this reason and uh and everybody comes in yeah my life is poo for exactly the same reason i'm an adoptee too and and everybody validates one of them and we fall further and further down into the poo that's what happens when i go around if i go if i go around bitching about stuff then i fall further into the bitch i go further down the abyss and uh, uh, uh and then i well no that's not you know and, and i don't want to I, I don't want to learn from somebody like that i'm not gonna 
I'm, I'm not going to be... I want to learn from somebody that's ahead of me on the journey, not behind me on the journey. Uh, and, 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 and I want to hear from somebody... I want to listen to somebody that's doing well. I don't want to... And so I, I, I don't want to take... I, I, I saw this in a, in a, um, I was in a, I went to marketing group years ago, 15 years ago. And there was a woman who was uh, doing healthy food. She, she, mm-hmm. she did health, healthy food for schools. And she was, let's just say that she was, she was, uh, her, the way she looked didn't fit that. Ooh, okay. And who who wants to follow? Who who wants to follow? Who wants to take advice from a? Let, let's go back to a smoking metaphor, uh, a smoking story. So who wants to who, who wants to um, be told to stop smoking by an MD or a, a or a GP? That's the UK equivalent term. Um, who is on, who's on 60 a day you know we we don't we don't want to we, we we want to take advice from people that are ahead of us and um and uh, who are walking the talk not just talking the talk yeah that makes sense and if if search or search and reunion if you're lucky enough to have a reunion gets you to realize that you really don't want to be a smoker that's a wonderful prize if it introduces you to relatives that you'd want as friends anyway that's a wonderful prize if you learn that even though you work in new york city journalism or fleet street journalism and and you're weighed down by propriety on one topic and one topic only um, that's something you've learned about yourself and it's an interesting place to learn more. You know, there are so many people writing memoirs now, at least in the United States, or now that we've begun to open records. We have a ways to go. It's only 31 states out of 50, but we're getting there. Um, that is a kind of creativity that gets awakened if you start to ask the questions. And no, no number of... Um, therapists or whoever are going to give you the outcome you want. I I sincerely believe that if I'd had this wonderful therapist back then who dictated what kind of letter I should send to my birth father, that given the complexity of our story, it wouldn't have changed things. Um, And I actually liked being in charge of it instead of um, listening to that particular wise old crone. Um, there, There is something about going out and having questions to ask that is so energizing and empowering and you but you don't get to own the answers you don't get to own everyone else's reactions but you do get to own the questions that you ask this can be so wonderful and you can ask questions of people that are further along we you know for me that meant um english memoirs because england was where the reunions were happening it wasn't really happening that much here um, with our monthly group, now donor-conceived people are asking questions. So, you know, I know that my parents who raised me have kept this secret. They don't know I know the truth. How did you as adoptees who were not told the truth finally tell, or did you tell your adoptive parents that you know? You know, and so there's, there's all sorts of wonderful conversations and um, self-learning that can come from this, I believe. Yeah. And, and that's, that's to take a pause and have a pastoral interlude and go work in the garden if you prefer. That's legitimate. Yeah. So um, I'm going to link to your your books and all your socials in the in the uh, in the show notes so people can uh, people, people can check out more about your books. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to, to to share? Oh yeah, I'm supposed to say this. I was told I was supposed to say this. Um, in May, the third novella is coming out. I have a series. Of, 
I guess Simon, you and I have talked about it, but listeners might not know. Um, I've written, <laughs> I've written very long ago, um, a, a series of novellas called The Birth Fathers Club. And it's um, fictionalized, but a lot of the details of stories come from birth fathers I've met over the years through legislative work or from these monthly meetings where birth parents, including birth fathers, do come in and share their story. Um, the first two came out in late 2021. The third one, um, Finding Faith, has some of my story in it, very fictionalized, because it has to be part of the larger story. And that comes out May this year. So that's, uh, we're recording this uh, in, in, in March uh, 2022 for anybody that's listening in uh, years to come. So um, uh, you, the, the, as I say, there'll be links in the show notes. Uh, so once, uh, if you're, yeah, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just go back and tweet the show notes in May. You tell me when it comes out and we'll add okay. the extra links in. Uh, okay, do that. Take, take me two seconds. So uh, thank you very much for listening and sharing the, uh, the the prizes that you found along the way. And one of the prizes was you, Simon, Ben, and your podcast, because I would never have gotten the chance to listen to your podcast if I hadn't searched. I wouldn't know about this wonderful, vibrant culture that's now blossoming. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Um, and remember, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's easier than we think to accept compliments. Uh, <laughs> and, and I can speak with the booby prize to do that. Um, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Vanish don't go that down word. That, Vanish that phrase. Don't go down that ruse again, Simon. Right. This is, this is British kind of wacko humor. Uh, not as funny as, uh, as Spamalot. So check out Spamalot. It's far better than my humor. Right. Um, thank you, Scott, listeners, and thank you, Michelle. You've been a star. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Simon. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank Likewise. you. Speak to you soon, listeners. Bye bye.